0: But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York.
2: Another day is here and you're ready for it.
1: What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts
2: ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. You're listening to DraftKings Network.
0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo and Golick. Mike Golik Jr., Mike Golik Sr., Jesse Cofield, everyone, back from ah. Italian Wedding Bliss here. Jesse, how we doing, friend?
2: I'm struggling so hard right now. I told you guys... <laughs> Before we started the show, I traveled. I was up and traveling for about 22 hours yesterday, so yeah, I'm jammed. I'm jammed up right now.
1: Yeah, the shame of that is you were just in Italy for a week, so nobody is going to feel sorry for you at all,
2: right? Oh, 100%. I told uh, Slates, our producer, I was like, hey man, just so you know, my brain's going to be functioning at a very low level. And he was like, yeah, I don't really feel bad for you because you just spent a week in Italy. I was like, that's totally fair, just letting you know where I'm at. (laughs)
0: There <laughs> we go. Playing hurt today, Jesse Cofield. So direct your complaints elsewhere. We still have a great show for you today. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review. Leave us that five star rating. Check us out on DraftKings YouTube channel here. We will talk to Jason Sobel about a little Ryder Cup drama from wow. over the weekend as the U.S. got toe tagged in this one. But, Dad, yeah, that hardly seems like the story with all the extracurriculars that we got out of Rory and everybody.
1: I, I thought we were going to see a golf fight. Oh, I mean, I a, a literal golf fight. I thought there were going to be punches thrown. We'll, again, you will get into that with Jason Sobel. But just let it be known that Europe just whooped our asses. Just, just whooped us. You know, we tried to make it a little clo- closer on Sunday, but uh, we weren't coming back from that deficit. So credit to them. And that was the only thing we had to hang our hat on, for those that watched it and know about HatGate. Uh, was the possibility of of some kind of golf fight, which I'm sure would have ended up like a
0: baseball fight anyway. So It's the golfest thing humanly possible, <laughs> also, which is why I can't ta- wait to talk about it. We are brought to you by Wrangler, made for the ride of life. Save 50% in your first Wrangler.com order with promo code GOJO15. Uh, and dad, the ride of life was a wild one last night. Great NFL weekend, great college weekend that we'll get to. I was at Durham for the Notre Dame Duke game that we barely survived. But survival was what was on the line last night. The New York Jets lose in a fashion I don't think any of us were prepared for on Sunday night football to the Kansas City Chiefs. Dad, the Chiefs jump out to a 17-0 lead. It looks like it's going to be smooth sailing, the usual that we expect from a Jets team that's been floundering since the Aaron Rodgers injury and from a Chiefs team that's defending Super Bowl champions. And instead – Dad, the question of the night is going to be Zach Wilson, who played out of his damn mind in this game, went unconscious, career high, 28 of 39, 245 yards and two touchdowns and looked like Aaron Rodgers during portions of this game. Dad, it's going to be whether this is the version of Zach Wilson that we have unlocked now as a playable character going forward in the NFL season, or if this was an aberration and the Jets wasted his last best shot on a primetime game to potentially knock off the Kansas City Chiefs because he looked phenomenal right up until that last second fumbled snap that ultimately ends up costing them the game. What did you take away from this performance from the Jets, Dad? I
1: I mean, pretty impressive being down 17 to nothing in the first quarter. Set. I mean, everything's going Kansas City's way from, you know, having Taylor Swift and her whole crew up there and Blake Lively
0: and Ryan Reynolds. My oh, gosh. we'll get to that because I got I mean, beef with you on this front, by the way.
1: Okay. All right. I look forward to that. Um, but, I mean, they, they had everything going for them. So, really credit the Jets for coming back against, you know, uh, possibly the best team in the AFC. If had. They have been that way, though. Buffalo may have something to say about that as we'll get into it. But one of the top teams there to come back the way they did for, I, I think the best thing that happened for the Jets was the fact that Zach Wilson played so well to give them a little bit of help going forward. But it's such a deadly division with Buffalo and with Miami. It's going to be difficult to do anything. But give them a ton of credit coming back from that one. I mean, down 17 nothing. next thing you know, it's 20-20. to And uh, Harrison Buckner Buckner has to kick a field goal to go up 23-20. And then the Jets are driving, and then you mentioned it. I mean, and and that ill-fated just fumbled the snap. Zach Wilson just fumbled the snap, and Kansas City gets it, and then they get another gift somewhat. It's third and long, and, and it's an interception for the Jets. Michael Carter gets the interception, but there's a holding call on Sauce Gardner, Mike, which I thought was somewhat suspect. I know a lot of people are going to say, end of the game, you know, you got to let that stuff go, but as a player... You'd like it to be consistent throughout the game. If you're going to call it early, call it late. If you're not going to curl it, call it early, don't call it late. That, that, I, I mean, I, I guess if you could sit there and by rules say he had a little yeah. bit of fabric, then well, you could call it holding. Let's but it, Let's put it this way,
0: Dad. Was this more or less defensive holding than the call we saw in the Super Bowl that the oh, Chiefs benefited where, from? Where, where the
1: where the defender hooked him. Yeah, I mean, very, very minor, but... By rule, I mean I I, I, I can see if the rest sees it, and if it's basically what the for anybody that doesn't know the rest are looking at. Does it change the route? You know, and in the Super Bowl they said the hook on the hip changed the route. You could debate sure. that. Now it's still a subjective call, but it's a call of, of the official. Uh, and in this one, did the grabbing of the jersey change anything? I mean, that's or you just are you just calling it? If you're just calling it to call it, I, I'd like a little more discretion in. Does it affect the play uh, at all? It, but, it, but it's a bang-bang call, and Sauce gets called for holding. Sala goes nuts on the sideline about it. The Kansas City gets the ball back, and then all we have to talk about is the betting line at the end of the game.
0: Yeah, Mahomes cost a lot of people oh. a lot of money making oh. incredibly smart football play. Yes. So the Chiefs have the ball down after this play near the red zone and they get to the two-minute warning and they go through there. And Patrick Mahomes, once again, Dad, scrambles have been on the menu. Unreal. Uh, I, know, I know Kevin Garnett in that interview talking about James Harden said you don't get infinite wiggles, but Patrick Mahomes might have infinite wiggles because so far this season on scramble runs, he is first in yards, First and first downs and first and expected points added on scrambled runs so far this season. He scrambled on a career high 9.9% of his dropbacks this year and very few so far as important as that particular play. The one where we saw holding called on Mahomes ended up scrambling then again right after that for about 17 yards in a first down. But here he decides to check up after getting the first down right inside at the three-yard line instead of going in and scoring the touchdown and swinging this thing for everybody in Vegas, Dad. The sound you heard was millions of dollars changing hands and millions of people screaming out at Patrick Mahomes for ruining their day despite making absolutely the 100% advisable football. Yeah, play.
1: that was the right move to make. Uh, and again, the money line started at 9.5 in this one, and so much went on the Jets. had dropped down to 8.5. So they were up three. Do the math. That that touchdown would have put them up nine before the extra point. They would have been up 10. And I believe 84% of the money went on Kansas City in this one. So there was a lot of, as you mentioned, mad people. I can't even imagine the reaction to, to people, whether they're in the sportsbook or at home, when he slid. Which you're right. It was absolutely the right thing to do. Unlike Asante Samuel on his pick in a game that we're going to talk about a little later. I was a little surprised at that, but we'll we'll get to it. But absolutely the right thing to do and just sent so many people into a lather.
0: It was unbelievable. More shots of Rob Saul on the sideline looking like he just got news that he has kidney stones. That man was going through it in a way that few can. Dad, big picture for this game because I'm with you. I think that was holding by the letter of the law there. We can debate how ticky tack it was, but I think you saw movement restricted enough there. I know Jets fans are going to point to they thought they saw holding on the left side of Donovan Smith on the same exact play. And so there's always going to be instances like that. I'm sure for Jets fans looking at the Chiefs in the privileged class of the NFL, feeling like this is something that's aligned against them. But the bottom line is the Chiefs did find a way to go out and manufacture that victory after a tough spot here. Any part of you worried about the turnovers that we saw, Dad? Two bad interceptions from Patrick Mahomes, underthrown balls and windows that he usually can thread them in here. I'm more inclined to give this Jets defense credit. We saw a lot of people, our buddy Mike Lombardi uh, over at v pointing out that the Jets defense in subsequent weeks after that week one win over the Bills hadn't quite looked like themselves. They showed up in a big-time way in this game tonight, forced a couple of those turnovers, harassed Patrick Mahomes in the pockets. Quinnen Williams and company looked sensational, his brother in the linebacking room. All of them stepped up, I thought, big in this game to give the Jets' offense more opportunities, and the Jets' offense made them happen. So I do think there are plenty of positives to take away for the Jets in this game that would be – a reason I'd look and say, well, yeah, the Chiefs ran into a little more than they bargained for because this Jets defense once again played up to its skill and talent level.
1: I agree. The Jets look defense looked great in week one. And, you know, the, they had the one player talking about it being an historic defense. We we're all like, calm down, just have a great year this year. And the subsequent weeks, like you mentioned, weren't so good. I, I think they're more in line with what we saw last night in week one. I think they'll end up being uh, I think statistically even so, one of the top defenses, but they're definitely going to be one of the top five defenses, I think, in the NFL. So I think that's what Kansas City ran into. So it's one where Kansas City basically says, hey, you know, we we had a big lead. We got out with a win. That's all that matters. There, there's no polls. There's no voting on who's, who's number one and who's not. So you get the win. It, uh, it, it's wild to say that Zach Wilson was the better passer than Patrick Mahomes last night. But I definitely think that had a, did have a lot to do with the defense. This is a hell of a defense, and I guess that's the thing going forward for the Jets. Is it, it it looked bleak and it still is bleak. Obviously, you don't have Aaron Rodgers. You get that opening win, then you get smoked by the Cowboys. You get beat by the Patriots, and now you're beat uh, by the Jets. You play the you play the Broncos next, and then you play the Eagles. That's going to be a tough one. Um, but the defense needs to play at this level, right? They, they need to, not like weeks two and three, they need weeks one and four to play that way to give their offense a chance because their offense just isn't good uh, without Aaron Rodgers. The expectation that Zach Wilson is going to do this week in and week out is kind of a reach, but if he can play decent enough and then decent to really good instead of any really bads in there, your, your defense can really give you a chance to stay in the game and get the win. Uh, so that, that's what I take from this. I mean, to be able to come back after down 17 nothing against the best team in the AFC and make this a very, very close game still. Zach Wilson, and listen, he stood up at the podium after and owned up to it as far as the fumble was concerned. That was just, you didn't expect to see that, a fumbled snap. I mean, to just, in a game like this, when you, you have a chance uh, to either tie or go ahead in this one was, was really, really
0: tough. This was Zach at the podium after the game addressing that moment. To be driving right there and to to drop a snap, you know, I cannot do that. You know, I lost us that game and I cannot do that. And I was making it clear to those guys that I need to be better. I need to be better on the little things, the details. Um, it can't happen. Dad, this does seem like the kind of game that goes a long way in yeah. quelling the cries yes. from the outside for his replacement, though. Like there are going to be people now looking at next week with a lot more of a trained eye wondering, all right, Can you do it again? Because that stretch, especially to start the second half and that touchdown drive for the Jets that tied the game was unbelievable. He was perfect five for five on that. He rushed for the two-point conversion as well. Back shoulder balls. It was pinpoint accuracy. And the kind of aggressiveness that people were looking for with a player that we know was supremely talented. So I was happy to see that for him, to see him take that accountability was something I think would go a long way with his teammates, too, since we remember there were moments in the past where he kind of bucked that. So now it's going to be, can you do it two in a row? Because I think at the very least for this week, you're going to be able to go a week without a former Jets quarterback telling them they need to get rid of you or the rest of us all clamoring for a veteran quarterback to be brought in there to help them out. He might have beaten back the flames for just just a week if nothing else but he's going to be on trial yet again next weekend to see can you turn one into two
1: yeah listen I agree they're playing the Broncos the Broncos are one and three at that big comeback win against Chicago and the Drek Bowl two Drek Bowls of winless teams that were playing one another they're a better team than Denver their defense is without a doubt better than Denver's and if that offense can play like this the offense I think is better than Denver's as well they have to go show it though and play like this and they can't be inconsistent so I do think this is – because after that, as I mentioned, they had the Eagles, and that's going to be a tough one. But this is a game they should win. That, that that should help build some confidence a little bit. But I do think the way Zach Wilson played definitely gave that locker room at least a bit of, okay, we got a guy that can play pretty well, played really, really well here, certainly made the mistake, as he even mentioned there. But with I'll, I'll continue to say with that defense, they can keep him in all the games. Now, this is where I have to get
0: to the beef that I have with you. Okay, So, you mentioned the quiet part that was said very loud over the broadcast over and over. It wasn't really the quiet part at all. I don't know why I used that reference. It's not. It was the loud part of the game. Taylor Swift was at this game supporting Travis Kelsey, who was also seen leaving her house the night before the game here. Donna Kelsey pulls a twofer she's sitting with Jake from State Farm over at the I first mean, game watch Jason Kelsey in Philadelphia she finds her way over into the suite with Taylor Swift Ryan Reynolds Blake Lively Hugh Jackson Hugh Jackman, Jackman yeah like oh just yeah. parade of stars in yeah. this one as this continues to be a thing as this continues to be the NFL's favorite cash cow of a relationship going on during this game dad what do you normally do for work on the weekends what do I normally do? Yeah, I call
1: Sunday night games for Westwood One. You do. You do.
0: And I remember do. last week when we had this conversation, you were out in Las Vegas with the Raiders, and you talked about hobnobbing with a bunch of former players and Mike Tyson and all these cele- You remember yeah. that when you were down uh, on the field talking sure about do. celebrities? Rubbing
1: elbows, you know. You know, us celebrities were all hanging together on the field before the game. <laughs> <laughs> what didn't you do this weekend? I did not call that game.
0: I, 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 listen. Who gave you the right? It wasn't my choice. was the audacity on sale this weekend and you just decided to pick it up in bulk? I do
1: 14 regular season games, all the playoffs and the Super Bowl. There are four games I don't do because other analysts need to get their games in. And normally, like last year, I chose the four games I would miss. I did not choose this one. This one was, this one at the beginning of the year was, Mike, we know you have to give us four back, but we're going to take one. It's going to be October 1st. The Kansas City at the Jets. And this was pre Aaron Rodgers. And I thought, oh, great. You're taking away Mahomes yeah. against Rodgers from me. Thanks. But it was more of a, a, a person that was more local there that they needed to get a game in. And it just worked out that they were going to get that game. And then on top of that, the whole Taylor Swift thing. Yes. But to your point, I do Sunday night games. I was supposed to, I should have been there last night. That would have been interesting because I would have had to make a decision. Do I call the game or, because I'm sure I would have been invited into that suite, do I go hang out in the suite with all the stars?
0: There's no decision there, brother. You're going to call a lot of football games. You will never have the opportunity to be back in a suite of that caliber yet again. I so, mean, that was electric.
1: Let me ask you this. You get to pick one person in that this group I'm going to mention of four, To hang out with just you and that person for a half hour, 45 minutes, just to just to shoot the breeze and talk about whatever you want. Taylor Swift, Hugh Jackman, Blake Lively, Ryan Reynolds. I think I know where you're going, but go ahead and say it. Oh, I
0: mean It's Taylor Swift.
1: Yeah. For me, it's Ryan Reynolds.
0: I got Hugh Jackman, sort of the odd man out. I think he's like recently separated. There were a lot of Donna Kelsey jokes that people made about that potential matchup, but no, I I would take Taylor Swift on that. one. but I get it. Like Ryan Reynolds being there objectively cool in its own right. Him and Blake lively uh, power couple for so many people. Is, Is there
1: a better looking couple in the world?
0: No, probably not. And like, infinitely cool on top of it although we did have the most uncomfortable dap i've ever seen do we have the video it was taylor it was uh blake lively and ryan reynolds after the game got to meet up with patrick mahomes for a brief second outside the tunnel and dad you can see in this video right here he shakes his hand and then blake lively gives him the like hell yeah brother dap like emerson's spirit overcame blake lively in that moment And she went and grabbed and gave him what I can only describe as you guys watch European tennis players when they go up to the net after a match. And normally, DAP in the U.S., for anyone watching on YouTube and for the podcast audience, this is your reminder to watch on YouTube, normally when you see DAP, it's hit, lock, and maybe you like pull it into the chest or something like that. But the European tennis guys, when they go up there, they just get it up here into that, and then they let it go. It's the most deeply unsettling thing on earth. That was what Blake Lively did to Patrick Mahomes and Dad Her and Ryan Reynolds seem so cool that I feel like she had to be like messing with him or something. I don't want to believe that that's the dap she brings to the party. It looked (sighs) like
2: she was trying to pull him into her. Like she was trying to pull him closer to like say something and like it just didn't. Like she like, grabbed his hand and then was kind of like, and then just. That's it like go. when
0: old people try and grab you and pull you in to tell you something because they can only speak at such a volume. And yes.
1: and, and th- that is true, I think for anybody. Depending on the handshake you're giving, halfway through a handshake, you know if it's not working or not, right? Oh. oh yeah. 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 You know when you walk away, go, God, that was bad. You know, you you want to be so cool, and you're like, that was bad. And you no, have to do it in front handshake.
2: of all those cameras and paparazzi. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like the paparazzi
0: <laughs> just saw you botch off awkward white person dap (laughs) that's honestly that's the thing is being a white person approaching a situation where dap is involved when you mess it up there's no greater shame on the back end of that you've got to wear it and you know what the 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 segment is always in those rag mags right at the cash out section at the grocery store celebrities they are just like us (laughs) coming up next we'll get to Mike's up monday and a new king of the afc next And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume, imported by Mast Jägermeister U.S., White Plains, New York.
2: Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. The Bills are also welcoming themselves back after dominating the Dolphins in a 48-20 to win. So Miami came into that game. They're riding that victory high, you know, 50 points in week three. Lone remaining unbeaten team in the AFC, and then they just ran into a buzzsaw on Sunday, and Josh Allen was leading the way. He tallied a perfect passer rating for the first time in his career, 158.3. He set a franchise record for completion percentage. He became the second player in NFL history with 300-plus passing yards, four-plus passing touchdowns, and one-plus rushing touchdown, and a perfect passer rating. In a game there. And if you look at the DK Sportsbook, MVP odds have shifted. Josh Allen is now plus 380. The leader over Tua who is sitting at plus 500. So, fellas, the Bills have come back. They've made a statement. Have they taken the hype crown from the Dolphins here?
0: Yeah, I think think so. Like, I don't know. And you know what? This is the old line. It's not hype if it's real. I think what (laughs) Buffalo did and what happened with them was After that Monday nighter to start the season against the Jets, people sort of decided how they felt about the Bills and ignored the last couple of weeks where the Buffalo Bills had played pretty compelling football, beat the hell out of the Raiders and the Commanders in back-to-back weeks, and... The offense with Josh Allen that had turned the ball over a bunch and had been too reckless in the first couple of weeks went back to looking the brand of surgical that they were all last year. Like we mentioned, they were a top-five DDOA team before and after Josh Allen's injury last year. They were one of the best offenses in the NFL, point-blank, period. But they've fallen short of the ultimate prize. We grade them on do-it-in-the-postseason, Stu Gott-style stuff. And so people had looked at them as if they were a failure. if The offense had fallen off. When Dad, that's not true. The last three weeks now are who they have been on offense, really for the last few years since Allen and Diggs teamed up in New York, and that's no uh, that was, you know, no stranger last night as that was the same combination that ultimately undid the Dolphins in this game.
1: You know, we we started talking about especially Buffalo after they uh, lost in in uh, Week One to the Jets. You started, and, and then the then and then they destroy the Raiders and they destroy the Commanders, so they started playing better, but you wondered. You know, it was always KC Cincinnati, which is a whole nother story. And Buffalo was a three. And we were saying, is Miami invading that three? And if they're invading the three, where are they in that three? And Buffalo said, you know what? Not just yet. Not just yet. Are we going to do this? Because this was one of those just firework games uh, going back and forth and uh, watching Red Zone and Scott Hansen basically saying, when in doubt, we're just going to go back to this game because you, God knows when another score is going to happen because they're happening so much. But it really started happening on Buffalo's side. This game's 14-14. You think it's going to be back and forth, but then it's Diggs touchdown, Diggs touchdown, Bass field goal. Before you know it, it's 31-14 at the half. Now, you know, I'd also you – know, you like to talk about Buffalo and the defense saying – This team scored seventy, held them to twenty. Now Miami did have a lot of yards. They did have three touchdowns in this game, so they still got theirs a bit. But they were held down a bit. But that Buffalo offense was really, really doing their thing, and I I think that's what maybe I want to say they wanted to let. They're doing what they do is maybe what we saw is this offense is still can be a very potent offense. You know, and the defense did a nice job. Tyreek Hill said after the game, "Listen." They kept safeties back, whether it's cover two or whatever the situation was. They kept safeties back. There was just no room to go deep on this. But Miami had always been so good at underneath routes and yards after the catch. But if you have safeties back, you can have guys that are up in front of them, play a little more aggressive, get the tackle right after the catch, and try and go down that road. And it was all working for Buffalo. The worst thing there is Tredavious White, their DB, who tore his Achilles. That, that, that That is a tough, tough loss for that defense but give them credit for what they did offensively defensively and shutting down that that high powered offense again as i said miami got their yards and got some points but certainly nothing compared to last week though against Denver which really doesn't have a very good defense so
0: no but everyone's going to be looking at this dad going did the bills give everyone a blueprint because remember yeah. last year you called the Sunday night game against the Chargers where after that everyone started doing what the Chargers had done against this Miami Dolphins offense and part of it starts with what you mentioned like as people are going to wake up this morning and go how did the Buffalo Bills manage to do this i think first and foremost we got to play with the cards fully up on this right Dolphins, health on offense starting to become a factor with this yeah. team here. Connor Williams missing another game with a groin injury. Deshaun Elliott, their safety also out with a groin injury. Jalen Phillips, their edge out with an oblique injury. And dad, Teron Armstead, once again, right. leaving the game this yesterday with a knee injury. So you've got Liam Eikenberg, who started off as a tackle and a guard for you, playing center for the first time in his career the last couple of games. That offensive line that had looked really good against the Denver Broncos, all of a sudden banged up and ran into a much tougher challenge in this Buffalo defensive front, especially up the middle when you look at Daquan uh, Daquan Jones, Ed Oliver, Leonard Floyd played phenomenally in this game. It was, all right, certainly they walked in a little injured. Like you mentioned, they decided to sit back and take away big plays from this Dolphins offense and To do that data, we talk about this change in modern football. right? We've seen it in college leak up to the NFL. If you want to sit back and play more quarters, more cover two, more things that are designed to take away these big plays, what do you need? You need a front seven that's going to be able to get after people without much extra help if you're going to devote all the resources right. to taking away Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle and this passing attack. And that was when that group showed up. Matt Milano and that linebacking group looked sensational. The spine of the defense that we always talk about for the Buffalo Bills was able to go and affect this game and knock Tua off his perch. Like Tua came into this game getting the ball out faster than any quarterback in football. His time to throw 2.37 seconds was number one in the NFL and Dad, you saw him have to hitch and have to go to that second and third option a little more than he was used to, and that turned into sacks for the Buffalo Bills. It turned into turnovers for the Buffalo Bills, which they lead the NFL in right now, and forced the Dolphins into some penalties. Like all of those things can subvert even the best offense. When now all of a sudden you got to get to your next pitch, you're going, you're backed up and behind the chains a little bit more, and the other team's taking the ball away.
1: Yeah, you look at, at uh, this offense, Miami's offense, they would given up one sack coming into this week. Buffalo got four sacks, nine quarterback hits. So to your point, they were messing with Tua. Tua's had a pretty clean pocket uh, to get the ball out, distribute the ball out. And they're going to have to figure out a way if, in fact, you know, we sit there and talk about blueprints. If you're going to play back, which a lot of teams would on Tyreek Hill to not give him that long ball – but like I said, they can still hurt you with shorter passes, but give credit to the Bills and that defense playing more aggressively, uh, as you mentioned, to the front seven, whether shorter routes or rather getting on a pass rush uh, as well, and what they were able to do. So good matchup. Obviously, we'll we'll see it again. <laughs> um, uh, we'll see if it's different. I mean, Miami did run the ball for, what, 142 yards, Uh H.N. uh, had a 55-yard run. That dude has been unbelievable. Yeah. Four touchdowns last week, a couple of touchdowns this week. But uh, this was was about the Bills. This was about the Bills and their defense getting after Tua and really kind of mucking up the flow of that Miami offense is what they live by. They have a lot of different weapons, and they have a flow, whether short, whether medium, whether long, of what they
0: can do. And Buffalo really interrupted that pretty well. The other big injury here, because we're talking about for the Bills too, want to give the Bills offense credit because they did a lot in this game of what people have been wondering about them, right, Dad? The change that we've seen Kansas City and the Cincinnati Bengals make of, all right, if teams are going to play back on everyone and try and take away the beat plays, you got to be able to live underneath. The Buffalo Bills stuck to the run game a lot more in this game and got quality yards out of that, including involving the quarterback Josh Allen down in the red zone but Josh got the ball out of his hands quick on a lot of plays. And then then when they were going to go deep dad, they had one matchup in mind here. Cater Kohu is going to be seeing Stefan Diggs in his sleep for a long time. And that's, you know, that's the spot that Jalen Ramsey was right. supposed to be right. right? We know this Dolphins defense banged up on the back end, too, coming into this game, but that was the matchup. If they were going to go deep, it was one-on-one, and it was making Kohu's life a living hell with Stephon Diggs.
1: Yeah, Kohu had been the slot guy, but because Ramsey's out, he had to move to the outside, and that's what you do. You take advantage of, of matchups, and that's what they did, and, and it worked to a T. Diggs had 120 yards on six catches, and and, and so kudos to them for doing that. You know, right. and, and go ahead.
0: I was just going to ask you, Dad, point blank, are the Bills the best team in the NFL now?
1: Uh, no, I'm not going to go off one game. I mean, I know that's what we do. Every every time they're a week, we say who's the best team. Uh, for this week, they they probably were, but I'm, I'm not going to hold that overall. And really quick, DeMar Hamlin played in this game, inactive yes. the first three weeks, so... He was active for this one, mostly on special teams, but just incredible to see him back on the field.
0: Yeah, very cool moment. Congratulations to DeMar Hamlin. Coming up next, though, let's get to some sound of some less than happy people <laughs> uh, in the AFC next here on Gojo and golan
2: Welcome back to Gojo and Golic. It is time for Miked Up Monday, presented by Wranglers So sounds from around the NFL this weekend, and we are going to start with the Bengals, who lost to the Titans 27-3. Yes, that's right. Okay, so the Bengals have scored a total of three offensive touchdowns through their first four games. That is the fewest of any team in the NFL. Yes, I'm talking about the Bengals. Okay, and Jamar Chase, in this game, he had seven receptions for 73 yards, but he expressed some pretty obvious frustration after the game.
3: In four games this season, do you feel like you've had less time to get open and create space for yourself? Nah, I'm open. I'm always open. Excuse my buffering, I'm
2: sorry. <laughs> well, that was he was pretty direct there, pretty direct about how he felt. We've reached peak wide
0: receiver once again. It's always nice to know too that they're that like. It's a good reminder that while many things about football have changed, Dad, that is certainly not one of them. Wide receivers from the dawn of time until the sun swallows us all whole will firmly believe they're open. In Jamar Chase's case, he's usually right.
1: Yeah, he usually is right. Uh, But this is a team, you know. Remember, after the first two games, we said, "Oh, you know, uh, Joe Burrow." one and seven in his first two games in his first four years. Not a big worry. They'll fix it. I think they're starting to be a big worry yeah. that you have this much <laughs> this much talent on the offense, though Burrow is still getting hit uh, a lot. T. Higgins gets nicked uh, as well in this one. And the defense, while they played well last week, you know, you didn't, didn't see that again this week, so you're looking at some inconsistency there. Got to be some worry, right? Now you can get right in the next two weeks if you start to play like we think you can play. You have Arizona and Seattle. OK, hey, man, Matt, Arizona's
0: a tough out now. You don't know, uh, they get are by them on the schedule anymore. Arizona you know has proven they are hell in a cell right. this year. Josh, They'll just check the hell out of you. Josh Jobs is
1: saying, put my jersey in the pro shop, man. I deserve mm-hmm. to have it there. And but then they, they have AZ in Seattle and then they have a bye and then they have the 49ers in the Bills. So oh, th- they, they need to get Christ. right. They need to get to where we think they're going to be, though. Man, they have given us no reason yet at this point to think they're going to get there. But you still think with the talent that they can.
0: Yeah, right now the upper crust of the AFC has looked like the Chiefs, the Bills, and the Dolphins at this point. The yeah. Bengals, based on play in 2023 and not on expectation, do not belong in that category. And, Dad, it, it's because of that Joe Burrow injury. I think it all points back to their sack three times in this game. Give Mike Vrabel yeah. and his the credit, right? Defensively, that line and Jeffrey Simmons and company—they make life miserable for teams. This Chiefs' offensive line, while it's been improved personnel-wise by acquisitions they've made in the last couple off seasons, it's still not going to be confused for a dominant unit in the league. They bet on what teams like the Bills and what teams like the Chiefs bet on—that we've got such a special player at quarterback. Right he's going to be able to get that bridge from, all right, we've improved them enough, and now we're going to push it over the top. This isn't the shanahan McVay coaching tree systems that are going to try and mitigate the offensive line through scheme, that are going to try and give quarterbacks easier opportunities. These teams lean into the fact that they've got an all-timer under center, and so they get to move like that. And, Dad, when that player's compromised, we've seen over and over again, whether it was Mahomes' toe from years ago, Josh Allen's elbow last year to an extent, or now Joe Burrow's calf, especially when it affects the mobility that usually helps this team out, it completely changes the math in a way that makes it kind of unsustainable until that gets better, if it gets better, which is going to be hard to count on this season. Yeah,
1: the ASC is built on scoring, right? Miami and scoring, Buffalo and scoring, uh, Cincinnati normally in scoring, Kansas City in scoring. Uh, it's built on how high can you go. And defense, certainly you want to play well, but it's built on the fact that you can put a lot of points on the board. And... Boy, Cincinnati is uh, really, 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 as, as Jesse mentioned, three touchdowns. I mean, it's, that, that's crazy. I mean, so the worry meter has got to start hitting pretty
0: heavy there. Yeah, this is starting to just become who they are, unfortunately, yeah. with this version of their quarterback. Um, let's get to another uncomfortable situation in the NFL, Jesse. The New England Patriots are starting to have to answer a lot of uncomfortable questions about their quarterback and potentially their head coach.
2: Yeah, and Bill Belichick is just repeating the party line here. He says Mac Jones is still the starter, despite Mac's performance in that 38-3 to loss to Dallas. So they lost by 35 points, guys, to the Cowboys. That is the worst loss of Bill Belichick's head coaching career. Wow. Yeah, insane. And Mac Jones' performance, two interceptions, a fumble returned for a touchdown. He's benched in the third quarter. And then you got Bill just coming out and saying, yep, Mac's our guy.
3: Yeah, I don't think there was any point in leaving him in the game. And will he be starting next week against the Saints? Yeah, I just said uh, there's no point in leaving him in the game, Mike.
2: So, Bill, was he, was he benched for bad performance no. or was he pulled? because... He no, was...
3: I said there was no point in leaving him out there, so I took him out. That means the, the plan is to start Continue to start back going forward. Cool. Yeah. I didn't think there was any point in leaving him out there, so I took him out.
2: That's, like, so Bill Belichick to just, yeah. like, they're asking 5,000 different questions, and he's literally just repeating that one line, like, I didn't see there was any point. So inside. You know how uncomfortably
0: bad it's got to be for Bill Belichick to be wearing we- real clothes? Yeah, instead he's of wearing just a button down. Hoodie. Like, you know things have gotten bad, Dad. <laughs> Is it? Time to start tearing this thing down, Dad. The Matt Jones experiment seems like it's over there. Whatever happened last year knocked it off course enough to where it does not look salvageable at this point because this is going to start to affect how people talk about Bill Belichick and his future with the team soon if they're not careful.
1: Well, it absolutely is. I mean, that's always been the question. Has it been Bill or has it been Tom? And obviously it's a combination of, of them. But as I've always said, I will put more on somebody who's actually on the field uh, dictating terms, you know, by their play. Uh, they're going to – listen – They're going to be looking for a new quarterback, right? Mac Jones is not the future quarterback of the New England Patriots. At least it doesn't seem that way right now. So when you say, are they going to are they going to start doing something? There's nothing they can do right now, right? I mean, there's nothing. That this this is what they have for the season. Now they'll have to think about in the offseason what direction they're going to go. They're always going to have a really good defense, but they don't. You went from the GOAT in Tom Brady to a guy that's not going to be your quarterback in the future. And Mac Jones, at least in my opinion, I don't think he will be. So, I mean, that's a that's a hell of a fall, right? It was going to be a fall anyway, the next quarterback that followed Tom Brady or the next probably five quarterbacks that followed Tom Brady. But this has been a monster fall, an offense that just can't do anything right now. But as I said, you know, we're talking we're in the first month of the season. There's not a hell of a lot you can do right now. These are the players that you have so you have to start thinking about the future down the road but not now not now there's another game coming up sunday then another game coming up sunday you got to prepare for those but start to think long term about what the next move is going to be
0: i think when we really look at the honest conversation about bill and brady it's not questioning bill's greatness i you know i i I've seen the Skip Baylesses of the world trying to lean into that. Like It's just not the case. He's been the best coach of my lifetime in the NFL. But, Dad, this always goes back to there's two Bill Belichicks that we're dealing with when we do these conversations. There's Bill the coach and there's Bill the GM. And Bill the GM and Bill the coach have still put out one of the best defenses in the NFL for the last number of years. He knows how to do that. But for a while, Bill the GM has struggled with, who they draft, especially in the early rounds on offense. And that's the one area where I think Tom Brady mitigated that the most was – hey, he made it so that you could basically put whoever around him and it was going to all work out because you had that dude. And without him now, you've still struggled at some of the other positions, but you've definitely struggled at quarterback with Matt Jones because the decisions Bill Belichick, the coach, the GM, whoever made last year to go the route he did with offensive coordinator, to bring in a couple of his old, old cohorts that had no uh, issue on that or no experience yeah. on that side of the ball to speak of, All of that knocked this off course so famously for a guy in Matt Jones that year one looked like he might be able to salvage something, not obviously a Tom Brady trajectory, but something, and Bill Belichick ultimately has to wear the blame for that and the way it's worked out at that position, which is usually pretty damning for any NFL GM, and I don't think Bill Belichick's excluded from that. Tom,
1: uh, you had the fact that Tom Brady uh, threw to, what, two Hall of Famers in his career, right? Randy Moss, and that was just for a year, Yep, and Rob Gronkowski. Now, he's had other really good receivers, especially in the slot, but he's made them better, right? Just like we talk about other quarterbacks like the the Mannings of the world making them better. He's never really had a ton of firepower on the offense, and now when you don't have Tom Brady, it really kind of glares when you don't.
0: Yep. Uh, we're seeing the Patriots in a very different light right now, and a lot of people, I think, are going to enjoy their opportunity to get these shots off while they've got the chance here. Um That's going to be an uncomfortable conversation that I don't think goes away because I don't know how much better this Patriots offense is going to get. Oh, it's not.
1: I agree. It's not. I mean, there's nothing you can really do, so all we're going to have to do is lean in really hard to listen to what Bill's saying in his presser
0: because he speaks in a mumble. And watch him dress progressively nicer, apparently. Coming up next, you don't got to lean in to hear anything that happened at the Ryder Cup over the weekend. Let's turn up the volume and look back on a dominant European win next. Next.
2: Welcome back to Gojo and Golik, I'm Jesse Cofield. And it was a huge week for Americans getting wrecked in Italy. Um, I was actually there as well. And I personally got wrecked on pasta the whole week. So I just got back, as I told you guys, I just got back um, last night. So this is uh, just a look at. So some, some of the pasta I consumed, um, it was one of those pastas, I was at a wedding and it, where they have the giant cheese bowl and they're tossing the pasta in the cheese rind.
0: Oh, man. Yeah,
2: so I was completely wrecked on pasta. Um, You know, Europe won the Ryder Cup, so the Americans got completely wrecked on the golf course in Rome as well. Um, And Jason Sobel, we have Jason Sobel here to get into more details about that with the guys.
0: Yeah, the Action Network's very own Jason Sobel, kind enough to join us now. Coming off, I'm just hungry now after seeing that, Jason. I don't know how you feel, but (coughs) watching that, I figured after the opening stanza of this, Americans got beat so badly that maybe they would just turn to pasta and wine and get some nice trips in while they were over in Rome, because the golf seemed like For a while, it was going to be out of place in a way that they couldn't reach, but um, can you contextualize just how dominant this win was for Europe in a stretch now where the Americans still have not won over on European soil in three decades?
3: Yes, my God. First of all, I'm hungry. I'm tired waking up at 1.30 in the morning for the last three days. I'm a little (laughs) cranky after watching the golf from the Americans. uh, But we'll be okay. We move forward. Look, they say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. We have sent now seven different U.S. Ryder Cup teams over to Europe over the last 30 years, and none of them have won. And and we've seen seen teams that had – world-class leaders and, and Hall of Famers like Tom Watson. And uh, we've seen teams that have tried to do something different the youth movement. Look, at some point, you just say there's a massive advantage to the Europeans first in being at home and having the home crowd and sort of trying to protect their own territory. And secondly, in the fact that they get to set up their own golf course. And I think this is a great lesson, guys, for anyone out there who still scoffs at analytics, analytics and numbers, we don't need this in the game. That's literally what they're doing. They're setting up the golf course based on the analytics that uh, that fit their team. And so Europe looked at it and they said, from 160 yards to about 210 yards, our players are better. Inside 150 with a wedge in their hands, their players are better. Let's set it up for our players. And it works, and it's worked for a long time. So at some point, you look at it, you go, I'm an American golf fan. I'm really mad. We need to win one of these things. Quite honestly, this wasn't – and use your – favorite superlative It wasn't the worst it wasn't the least it wasn't the biggest it wasn't anything it was just the typical loss for the U.S. over in the Europe because it's been a long time now and they just keep coming
1: so everybody wants to point a finger somewhere and I don't know if that does any good when you get your ass whooped like they did is there any second guessing anything the captain Zach Johnson did
3: yeah, I think you can second-guess some things. Uh, certainly the captain's picks are probably the biggest thing being second-guessed right now. They are second-guessed five weeks ago, to some people's credit. And, uh, a lot of people didn't want Justin Thomas on the team. And uh, I, I won't put it all on JT. He was 1-2-1. and one. Yeah. He was partnered with Speeth in three matches. And Spieth played a lot worse than Justin did. And so I won't put it all on him. Ricky Fowler got sick during the week. He only played two matches. He went 0-2. He lost in that crucial clinching match for you. Europe in singles yesterday uh, but look he, he kind of deserved to be on the team he played well i, I just don't know who else you would have left off but yeah you could create a whole other team of six other players you could look at uh lucas glover who won uh in the fedex cup playoffs you could look at keegan bradley who a lot of people wanted on the team cameron young tony finau couple guys from Liv and Dustin Johnson and Bryson DeChambeau that would have worked well on this team. You could have taken all these captain's picks and changed them up. And what happens, as you guys know, in any loss, we're going to try to blame the coach or captain. We're going to give too much credit to the guys who won and too much blame to the guys who lost. And so Zach Johnson is definitely going to shoulder a lot of this blame for what's taken place. And I understand some of it, but I think it's probably being placed on him a little too much and not enough on the players who just didn't perform in that in that space.
0: I think for a lot of people, and I think he denied actually saying that he told him to change clubs, but that image of him and Spieth on the tee box at 16 where he's got driver out on a drivable par four and he pulls out the three wood and puts it in the drink – is kind of what's going to stick with a lot of people there, Jason, as far as their view of Zach Johnson, even if it wasn't exactly him making that play out there. Who did stand out in the positive side? Was there anything the U.S. can take from this going forward and say, oh, well, there's at least this to get excited about from the performances that we saw?
3: So I've got two things. We're looking for the silver lining here. There's not much. One is on the golf course, Max Homo is the alpha. Max Home is the only guy that played all five sessions. He went three one and one. This follows up a Presidents Cup where he was four and zero last year at Quail Hollow. The guy thrives in this environment. The putt that he made on the last hole needed to get up and down after taking a penalty stroke on eighteen to uh, get a half point from Matt Fitzpatrick. Actually, get I believe the full point from Matt Fitzpatrick. It, it was fantastic stuff from Max Homo, who played, quite honestly, the best golf of anybody on that U.S. team. If you're looking for one other silver lining here, we talked about Zach Johnson, we talked about laying some blame. I will say that right now, if I had to set the odds market for the captain in 2025 at Bethpage Black, where the fans are going to be absolutely nuts on Long Island, I would say that if the U.S. team wants to go out there and get a little extra motivation, a little more win one for the Gipper, guy by the name of Tiger Woods. Come on now. Sitting around waiting to captain this team. I'm just saying, again, I don't know anything. I don't think they know anything yet. But if I had to put odds on it, he's at the top of my list.
0: I would
1: love, I think everybody would love to see that. Jason, I wish we had about an hour left, but we only got just a couple of minutes. Got to explain uh, Hatgate to us real quickly.
3: I'm not sure I can. Okay, so here's (laughs) the deal. Uh, there was a report from a Sky Sports reporter that Patrick Cantley was not wearing a hat in protest of wanting to be paid to be playing in the Ryder Cup. That apparently was not true. At least everyone involved denied it later. Yet this kind of made waves throughout the crowd at Marco Simone. All the fans started waving their hats at Cantley. And then the U.S. Uh, team got into it a little bit as well. He was in the last match. Slipped the entire match. He birdied 16, 17, and 18. And on 18, the whole team's there. And they start waving their hats at him in a, a funny little response. And his caddy, Joe Lukov, Joe's been doing this for 30 yes. years. Joe's been caddying for Fred Couples and Tiger Woods. And Joe starts doing that with his hat. He get a little, a little close to Rory McIlroy's line. Rory still had a putt to tie the match. And Rory took offense to it. Rory said something. Joe said something. They got into it a little bit there. Then later in the parking lot, maybe 10, 15 minutes later, they really got into it screaming at each other. Rory was not happy about this. Now, guys, I love golf. I play golf. I cover golf. I've done it for a long time. Golfers can't fight, at least most of us. And this was like one of those, I- I'm going to get you, man, as you're kind of backing up over here. Um, so it, it wasn't exactly the bench-clearing brawl that maybe we would have <laughs> liked to see, but uh I I think actually like Joe. Joe. Rory's got the years on him. Rory's younger, but Joe's a tough dude. Joe I, is. I don't know if I, I don't know if I like the Europeans in that fight.
0: No, I can say outside of Max Homa you mentioned and maybe a couple others there's not a lot of golfers I'm taking in the battle royale if we start swinging here.
3: Wyndham Clark for the US team would be a little sneaky. Um yeah, Brooks Kepka who uh you know, I, like I said to you guys in the break before we came on, I, I, I think he could throw a punch. I'm not sure he's really taking a punch. Got Rom uh, though. Said, no. They got yeah. Rom.
1: They got, they got John. Yeah, Rom. They, got,
3: they got Rom, and Rom might be enough. I yeah. Mean, if Rom really got mad, it's it's over. And 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 Terrell Hatton. Terrell Hatton can he can get mad? I don't know if you've seen him on the golf course. Yes. He can get real mad. And you you get him pissed off. At, watch out.
1: He's almost a guy. I hope hits a bad shot just to see how mad he's gonna be. Yes, yes yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, we had
3: plenty of those to come by
0: this weekend. But uh, like you said, uh Jason, we're gonna put the past behind us and just all form a prayer circle around Tiger Woods as the U.S. Ryder yes. Cup captain uh for Beth Page Black and hope that works out and it could be the difference. Well, quite honestly, the US hadn't been the problem for them. It's gonna be retooling for the next time. We got to head back across the pond. Uh, we appreciate the time, Jason. Thanks so much, man. Hopefully Thanks, we'll talk Jason. to you again soon. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me. Thanks.
1: Mike, I think the key thing is what he said there is the European team can set up the course any way they want. They used analytics to set up the course in their favor, and it worked to an absolute T, and they smoked us.
0: Yeah, I, I think this might be everyone's first reel for the casual fan introduction to the idea of golf analytics yeah. as something that's a meaningful driver because you don't often get a place like this. Uh, We talked about this last week with Keegan Bradley in team golf, where you've got to organize it in such a way. Usually you're going out and playing the course. Usually it's your game, but here in this particular field, like a lot of other team sports, it has found its way in. And if you're going to want to win, it doesn't look like it's going anywhere. (laughs) Coming up next, speaking of wins. Oh boy. Let's recap the wild ride that was Saturday night in Durham.